Glory. We're going to have church today. I'm feeling it now. Feeling right at home. Would you please open your Bible to Psalm 117. Psalm 117. Now you wish you came last Saturday, don't you? But that won't be the only Saturday, I'm thinking. I have a sneaky suspicion we're going to be seeing Steve again. Our passage this morning is from Psalm 117. Listen now to God's word. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Almighty God, we praise you this morning, this Pentecost day that we celebrate the birth of the church. Lord, each and every one of us has been called out. You've called us by name. And Lord, like that, that dear woman waiting on the edge of the crowd as, as you headed off to someone who seems so important to everyone else, she reached out. Lord God, when we reach the end of our rope, may we find the hem of your garment and be healed. Touch us again, Lord, this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be wholly acceptable to you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our sermon series that we've been going through since Easter, titled Save to Serve, has been building up to today, to Pentecost Sunday, the birth of the church. We've read the account of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the disciples after Jesus commissioned them and then ascended into heaven. And we're going to come back to the book of Acts. But I've said it before and I'll, I'll say it again. We have to understand the context. What is the context? What, what is the, the biblical context of the spirituals outpouring on Pentecost? What's the theological underpinning of, of this event? What's the framework or, or the agenda of our commissioning? We're, we're saved to serve, but why? Psalm 117 settles it for us. This psalm, the, the shortest of hymns, invites us to worship, but not only us. This hymn invites all nations to worship. The phrase, praise the Lord, in Hebrew is hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, short for Yahweh. Now that, that was reserved only for Israel, Yahweh's covenant community. But here the Gentiles, most of us here, are included. You see, God pledged his, his hesed, steadfast love and faithfulness to Israel, but always intended for the whole world to join in worshiping him. The Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament consistently held out hope that one day, one day Gentiles from every land around the world would come together to worship the one true God. And that day came on Pentecost. That's why the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, right near the end of his letter, where he's getting very, very practical, he writes a letter to the church in Rome, a church made up of both Jewish and Gentile believers, and he's pleading with them to get along. And more than just getting along, he's pleading that they'll come together as one family 
to worship God. And, and in Romans 15, he lays out his argument. And you know what he relies on? Psalm 117. Pleading that the Jewish and Gentile Christians would welcome one another and worship together. Romans 15 verse 6 says, With one voice, glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome one, one another as Christ has welcomed you to the glory of God. Pastor John Piper sets these themes of service and salvation, worship and mission in their proper order. And if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write this down. Just a couple of sentences, just a few words, but it really helps to clarify what we're talking about. He writes, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Let me say that again so, so you can wrap your brain around because our church is very mission-focused here in Nielsen. But, but listen to what he says. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Because the kingdom of God hasn't gone out to all the people to call them in to worship. Praise the Lord, all nations. That's a call to worship. It goes out to every corner of the globe. Why? Because little old Israel doesn't have enough voices to do, uh, to do justice to the worship that God deserves. Little old Israel can't do it alone. This choir requires, we're going to sing later the great Wesleyan hymn, O for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. The choir that God deserves is a thousand times a Googleplex. And then some, everyone in the world must join in worshiping the king. To worship him for his ways and for his salvation and for his glory and for his greatness made known to all the nations. Listen, the, the great commission is first, delight yourself in the Lord, Psalm 37 verse 4. And then to declare to the nations, hallelujah. Your commissioning begins with worship, begins with you delighting in the Lord, then to go out and to say, let's praise the Lord together. From the beginning, God's purpose was to bless his people so that all peoples would glorify him. And Nielsville Presbyterian Church is just the local, one of the local expressions of what awaits us in the new heavens and the new earth. What we're doing here right now in this worship service is just a foretaste of what's to come. When individuals from every nation and tribe and people will bow their knee at the throne of God. As a little aside, I wanted our wonderful flags to be back up in the, in the narthex. I wanted to surprise you with that for this Sunday. We have flags from every, uh, representing the membership of Nielsville from every uh, nation around the globe, and we've added some new ones. We've added uh, Nigeria and, and Canada. We had a new American flag. We had it all set, and everything was looking great, and Ryan was putting it up. The poles were great, but uh, the little metal piece that holds the flag up, it was made of aluminum, and it started to bend, and all the flags started going down to half-mass and down. That just... 
that's not the message we want to send. So bear with us. Those flags that represent a church of all nations will be up again soon. But listen, God created the human race to enjoy him. That's the framework. God created the human race to enjoy his grace. That's why God made us in his image. We alone have the capacity to enjoy God in intimate relationship. And then God followed this blessing with a command. He created and and blessed Adam and Eve, and then he followed it with a command. Genesis 1.28. It says God blessed them, so they were worshiping, and then he gave them their mission. Said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So God created in his image for a reason so that we might multiply his image throughout the world. Now, I quoted a a relatively older pastor, John Piper. He's going to retire in about two years, so he's relatively older. Now I'm going to quote a relatively young pastor. At least he's younger than me, so relative to me, he's he's a a young gun. His name is David Platt, and he puts it this way, this, this idea of worship coming before mission. David Platt writes, God created human beings not only to enjoy his grace in a relationship with him, but also to extend his glory to the ends of the earth. Enjoy his grace, worship. Extend his glory, mission. So you and I were created, blessed, and saved for this global purpose. If we've learned anything throughout the sermon series looking at Luke's account of Jesus calling his first disciples and equipping them and training them and sending them out. If we've learned anything, we know that we, have, that we are utterly in, incapable of doing anything of lasting good without Christ. He's, he's the vine, we are the branches. We can't do anything as we've looked at this account again and again. We can't do anything of lasting eternal significance without the empowering of Christ. His power is not an add-on to our plans. Prayer isn't an afterthought. Prayer isn't left to the professionals to begin and close a meeting. Reliance on the Holy Spirit is not a postscript to fulfilling our mission. The, the Bible doesn't say that the disciples gathered in the upper room making strategic plans. No, what were they doing? They were up in that upper room, maybe a little afraid, but Jesus had, had told them what was coming eventually. They didn't know when, so what were they doing? They were worshiping. No one had a flow chart or a dry erase board saying, okay, team, uh, some of you stay here in Jerusalem. Half of you are going to go to Judea and Samaria. The rest will go to the ends of the earth. No. They were worshiping. They were being prepared spiritually. They were worshiping Jesus. Then at the appointed time on on Pentecost, when Jerusalem, the city, was packed with people from, from every land, then Jesus sent his spirit in power and everything changed. Uneducated Galileans fishermen, 
tax collectors, revolutionaries, everyday folk were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the gospel in multiple languages and the crowds were shocked. Then Peter, Peter the fisherman, he stood up, he preached Jesus and Luke records that more than 3,000 were added. So they started with 120 disciples in Acts chapter 1. And by Acts chapter 2, there were more than 3,000. If you do the math, that's, uh, that's a 2,500% growth in a day. 2,500%. How's that for a, great, uh, a growth plan? Uh, what, what, what do you say to account for the amazing growth of your church? Did you have a fun campaign? Was there a great vision and planning? Did you hire the best pastors? No, we... We just worshiped Jesus. We were just ready for what he was about to do. That's the plan. That's the plan. And not only did they worship, what else did they do? They loved one another. And then they got out of the way. The church was radically trusting in God's power to provide. The Bible says they had everything in common. And so must we. You have been saved to serve. Why? To go to all the nations with the gospel. Not to cling to fleeting comforts of suburban America. Not to turn a deaf ear to the poor and the disadvantaged. Not to sit on our hands, but to serve. Because we are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. And so we pray in worship. We pray, Lord, Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Employ us, God, to fulfill the worldwide purpose of gathering worshipers for you from every tribe and nation and tongue. Bring our hearts in line with your heart, Lord, to your glory for the praise of your holy name. And then in the midst of that, as we've been learning throughout the series, what do we do? We renounce our idols we say we're going, to, we're going to leave them behind or we're going to smash them. We renounce our idols and our worldly comforts and our immodest allegiances and we join God's global purpose. If we do this, God will be glorified from beginning to end. And our worship will empower our mission until the Lord Jesus comes again. Hear the words again. Praise the Lord, all nations, Extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Friends, would you please take your hymnal and stand with me, and let's sing twice through Spirit of the Living God. Hymn number 322, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me, and then secondly, Spirit of God, fall afresh on us. Let's sing together. <laughs> 